Good morning, and welcome to Enjoy and Encounter with Our God. This morning, we continue exploring what the Word of God has to say about being confident in God, His ways, His timing, as we partner with God over our lives. During our encounter, we will insert a challenge in the form of a question. Today, I want to ask, do we understand what it means when we sing, my life is not my own, or I surrender all? If you have a spot where you're journaling or jotting down notes, these are worth honestly pondering. In posing these questions, I'm reminded about being in a worship service over 30 years ago. I actually refused to sing the song, I Surrender All. God had asked me a difficult question, and I was holding back giving him an answer. So it took me two years to be able to sing that song because I realized how easily I was withholding things from God without even being conscious of doing it. I did say that was 30 years ago. I've matured a bit since then. Before we encounter his word together, let's go to prayer. God, we thank you. We love you. We magnify you and we invite you into this time. You tell us in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 that your thoughts are nothing like ours and your ways are far above anything we could ever imagine. Like the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways and thoughts higher than our ways or thoughts. We want to see things and understand things as you do. We invite your Holy Spirit to work how you work best, far above anything we could ever ask or dream or imagine. Have you noticed that whatever we put our eyes on, that's where our hope lies? The things that we focused on most are where we put our hope. I didn't realize it, but even in my striving for God and His ways and timing, I had put the things of God above Him. Here is how He showed me. On one of the many days that I cried out to God, What am I doing wrong? God, this is humiliating waiting for breakthrough. I cried out for what seemed like the thousandth time about God fulfilling the things that He'd showed me. But nothing. No response. I went about my day feeling frustrated and, if I'm honest, angry. The next morning, as I was jumping into the shower, I heard the question, What about Elizabeth? I responded with, What about Elizabeth? More questions. Was she not a righteous woman? Did she not love me? Did she and her husband not serve me? Oh, I get it. You're answering my question from yesterday and you're letting me know that the promises of God in my life are not dependent on what I wasn't doing. But since God knows that I'm a little bit thick and I'd likely need the point reinforced, he continued to ask me, Did they not minister to and for me? Did Elizabeth not have to go to baby shower after baby shower without having the child that she longed for? Would she not have had to go to the weddings and baby showers of the baby's showers that she had initially gone to? In her time, the shame and stigma of being barren was great, and she would have carried that shame most of her life. I reasoned with God, why couldn't you have let her enjoy John sooner? Even ten years earlier still would have been a miracle, God. But even as I asked the question, it jumped into my mind that the answer was about the timing for John. Then I got a little upset about that. While we're on the subject of John, why couldn't he have had longer to live? All I got in response was, For my glory, are you willing? Ugh, I felt like I'd been stabbed in the heart 
And once again, I tried to reason with God. Is there any chance there's a plan B? As I continued my morning routine, I wondered why God hadn't answered me the day before. Why did he let me languish the previous day in defeat? Again, the answer came even as the question was formulated. I was the one who had stayed in that place of hurt. I was putting my hope in the fulfillment of God's promises rather than in him. I was petulant and argumentative because I wanted my own way more than I wanted God's way. I derided myself. Why do I always have to argue for my way? How can I possibly spend so much time with God and still be so focused on myself, my wants, my way, my time? This time, instead of staying in this place of frustration, even at myself, I turned to repentance. I gave him my attitude, and rather than focus on what was not happening, I went to his word. I saw in Isaiah 55, 9, it reminded me, Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I breathed, God, help me trust in your ways. And then I was thinking, nothing can change the reality, the science and structure of this world being set up in such a way that the heavens are above the earth. In order for us to physically reach one stratosphere of the heavenlies, we need to get in a plane or rocket and even then hadn't fully reached the heavens. So we need to access the heavens from a different reality on our knees. It's only from this place that we realize things beyond what we can imagine. If we continue reading in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11, he teaches us that as the rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth, they cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, God says. I sent it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. God's design, God's way, is to water the earth through his different forms of precipitation. Water represents life. In the spiritual realm, water also signifies cleansing and purity along with the life. His further design is that it stays on the ground. It doesn't just dissipate as soon as it hits the ground. It's time. It's process. And as always, God's design brings life and growth and increase. So it is with us as we allow the water of his spirit to cleanse and purify us. And as we give it the time to do what it's designed for, it will release in our lives growth and production that which can be planted for others and such that we will nourish and enrich others' lives along with our own. And then I was starting to get even more excited. The further benefit to us is in verse 12. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Mountains sometimes represent hardship in the word of God. We know this because he tells us in Mark 11 and 23 to speak to the mountains of our lives and if we have faith that they will be cast into the sea. This verse can also mean that even during our times of impossible situations, those difficulties, we can burst into song. 
And then verse 13 is the promise of that which I was just lamenting, all about my selfishness and my lack of character. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow. Where nettles grew, myrtle trees will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. There'll be an everlasting sign of his power and love. My selfishness was a thorn in my life. God was letting me know that if I allowed him to cleanse and purify me, that he would exchange my thorns for lush, beautiful cypress trees. If I gave him my pettiness, anger, and accusations, he would exchange the nettles for beautiful, aromatic myrtle trees. And most importantly, that as this happened, it would be an everlasting sign to the world around me of God's power and his love. What a beautiful promise. When we do things God's way and allow His design to permeate our lives, we can be confident that we will grow stronger and more beautiful, enriching not only our lives, but the lives of everyone around us for His honor and for His glory. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this time. We exalt you, O God. We exalt you over ourselves. We exalt you over our wants. We exalt you over our timetables. Thank you that your ways are about cleansing and purity for our growth and increase so that we will bring honor and glory to your great name, so that it will be a sign to the rest of the world of our God's power and his love. We repent and ask forgiveness for all the times we put ourselves above you. We repent for not trusting you with your ways and your timing. You are God and we are not. Forgive our arrogance and assumptions for accusing you without even realizing what we were doing. Because things didn't happen in our way or our time. Forgive us, Father, for putting our hope in your words and promises even over your presence sometimes. For when they become more important than focusing on you, worshiping you above our feelings, then our own wants have become those high and lofty things that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. And you've instructed us to tear them down. You've instructed us to bring every thought into captivity. So we do that now, God. As we partner with you over our lives and the lives of our family and friends and community, we declare that we will be obedient to Christ through walking in confident trust of your way and your time. We love you, God, and we trust that the God who created this universe through time and process is well able to create in us all that you want to be. So we partner with you, your time your process, for your honor, and for your glory, we are willing, our God. We bless you. We magnify and worship you by giving you the highest place in our lives, emotions, thoughts, and will. Amen. To view a portion of this devotional, the prayer and scriptures used today, please visit the website at enjoyandencounter.com. For other encouraging thoughts, check out Enjoy and Encounter on Instagram. Thanks so much for joining me. I look forward to next week's Encounter with God.